What's up? Can you hear me? Nope, can't hear you at all. Well, we're f- well, okay. Is this no. is this, this family-friendly? Do I have to hold back my the slander? I don't care, dude. Say whatever you want. We're not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not reusing this. Oh, well, I, I haven't decided. I have. I haven't decided yet. I don't know. Say whatever you want. This will be. We'll, we'll <laughs> make. Right. We'll make. The, we'll make this R-rated. <laughs> sure, sure. We're free to say whatever we want. This is a Saturday. This is supposed to be an off day for me. It's only because you and uh, Itamar have such weird schedules. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I could have done this like this time, any day of the week, but like I think Itamar has some stuff like tomorrow and the days after, so we just decided to do it now. Yeah, it makes sense. But I mean, also I'm like super upset that I still can't use my like regular desktop setup because whenever I hear myself on my AirPods, I hate it. But it's the <laughs> only microphone that I have that'll sync to my iPhone, and I'm just like, all right, well. I guess this is what I'm rolling with, so. Yeah, I'm kind of in a in a makeshift of my PC setup and my phone, too. Whatever. Also, we, Wait, were, supposed your... to, we, we were supposed to have, like five, like, five minutes to just chill and, like, set the room up, and yeah, everybody and got, no, everybody got notified. It's just, every, <laughs> yeah. everybody's already here. It's super awkward all of a sudden. What's up, Rylan? What's up, Jeremy? What's up, Jose? Jonathan, Ron, right, dude. That's what I'm, Corey. That's what I'm saying. I want the check mark in here. I, I, I've got some good friends who have been on green room, or I guess, uh, you know, locker room since the early days, who have picked up the check mark on here, but like aren't check marked elsewhere. So I want to like, I need to like DM like the guys at the top of uh, locker room slash green room and be like, yo, uh, I was one of y'all's like early innovators. Um, <laughs> hook me up with a check mark, please. Also, where is Itamar says Itamar, he's in yeah. here? Yeah, let me see. Others in the room. How do I get to his, others? In his the name room? is really Itamar as well. It's like the same as his Twitter handle. Dude, come on, let me let me see the other people in here. Dude, well, none of the none of these is him. So, yeah, it only shows like eleven people to me. Is it the same for you? Yeah, it's only it, and it says it, but it says like others in the room. I mean, I guess that's I guess that's everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been weird since the switch to green room. There's it's been a little buggy. So I mean, if it oh, it's the same. It's the same people behind it. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Okay. I mean, Spotify bought it, so I mean now it's all yeah. branded, and they've got a lot more power behind them. Uh, better servers, I think. Technically, I don't know. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. He's saying he's in here, and I don't believe him. Save draft. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I told him on, on the group chat. Wrong room, fam. Uh, yeah, I don't we, see him in he's here, here so. now. Yeah. Oh, there he, there he no, is. He's, well, he's there now. Him. He's there now, yeah. Yeah, I got him. I got him. I invited him. You should see it. Dude, yeah, I just invited him manually. Like, I don't know what he's invite. Get up here. I think when he switches apps, he, he doesn't see the invite or something. Cause, dude, like, he's, he dude he's, in, he, he's, he's in here twice. Are you seeing that? Is Wait. That <laughs> maybe maybe there's <laughs> an imposter or something. Which one's the real one? Yeah, it's both, it's both the real one because I, I added them before this. So it's both the real one. I don't know. 
All right, well, I've invited both up to the stage. We're going to get trolled by one of them. I guarantee it. <laughs> it, it will be worth it for the laughs. All right, y'all. Y'all need to start chiming in in the chat. Who's who is Mobley Mob and who is Green Gang and who is uh, hanging out by their lonesome on the uh, Sug Squad? Yeah, Sug Island. I mean, I think I think Stanford KP got like a couple more guys in his island. Dude, since... at this point, at this point, the the Sugs Island, like Sug Squad, is like a cult. Like, I mean. He he's over there like trying to convert individuals. He's like, no, 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 this is the way. At least yeah. at least Mobley and Green, for the most part, everybody's in agreement. Like both would be a solid pick. I mean, they're advocating for their guy, but they're both you know right there at the top as far as you know being one being marginally better than the other. I suppose. Yeah, I think the funny thing is like, uh, like like KP doesn't even want to draft Suggs. He's just defending Suggs because no one else does. <laughs> to be like, fair, he said it yesterday or something. No, nah, see, and to be fair, I was I was higher on Suggs originally, and a big part of that is, and I like this is my biggest dilemma, right? Is I know you you're not supposed to draft for fit, draft yeah. best talent available, and I think that's clear cut. Like it's become like Mobley and Green are the two yeah, clear cut talents it's, it's after the mantra. <laughs> so so you follow that belief system, but I do think you can you can at least entertain that idea a little bit if you're trying to look at these margins where if if you view Mobley and Green so close to each other right where the margin is like razor thin if you're in that boat where you go back and forth where you vacillate back and forth consistently then I think it's okay to start looking at other you know other variables to consider and one of those for me is I do not like the idea of a KPJ Jalen Green backcourt as the future for the Rockets because I feel yeah, like defensively that that's a little lazy. A nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he said if you could invite him again. Okay, which one am I inviting? Did he specify? I'm just going to invite both again. <laughs> Here we go. Just do both again. I've invited both, so we will see. Okay. Maybe. Oh, you know what? It's probably he's probably on an Android, and it's super buggy on Android. So. Oh, hey. the oh, we got They're both in. Let's go. Watch, it's gonna it's gonna echo. Oh. I'm scared. Why am I here twice? <laughs> All right, hang on, hang on. I'm, I if I kick know. the, I'm gonna kick the other one off, and I'm gonna see what happens. Remove. Oh, oh, it, kicks, oh no. it kicks them both out. <laughs> what is oh, happening? Oh my god! All right, okay. there we go. There's just hey, one now. There's just one now. No more clones. I see two, but whatever. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we only exactly. see one, and that's what you, matters. You can never have I... too much, Itamar. <laughs> <laughs> like I could hear you after. After you sent the link I was in, I could hear you, but like, I guess I couldn't ask to speak or something. I don't know. All right. Well, oh, now that, now that we've got, now that we've got everybody here, we're going to take like speak requests and all this, like we're going to get everybody up here and you'll be able to voice your opinion, you know, whether you're, you know, spreading the propaganda of the Moly mob or the green gang, or if you're, you know, one of like the seven people on Suggs Island, you can do that too. But we're going to kind of like open things up. It's going to be super informal. It's not an actual show um, because these two bullied me into saying they can't. It can't be a show, so that's cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, they were they were like, we don't want to hear about Bill Bar today. Um, so, anyways, uh, let's let's start, and I'm gonna let you start, Prodigy, because yeah. you're still you're you are firmly Green Gang, and I believe Inamar is still on the Mobley side, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Prodigy start because there's only one of him, and I don't want your clone to accidentally take over in five minutes. So, Prodigy, kick us off with your your leading argument for Green. Uh, I mean, it's like to me they're both really close, and I wouldn't mind getting either of them. So I won't be pissed if if we get Mobley. But to me, it's mainly this. To me, they're both equal in like potential and all the all the prospect stuff you know to me the ultimately the difference com- comes down to who do i believe will reach his ceiling more and if he does who is like easier to build around like to me it's um to me like you the the the, the scoring shooting guard has been done over and over and over again and we know how it works you get some good defenders around him. If he isn't a good playmaker, you got a playmaker, you got a pick and roll center, and you're you're set. So it's like it's it's like it's been done before. So it, like there's there's a model to follow. And the other thing is like Mobley is such a one of a kind prospect. Like the the best comp you can come up with is Anthony Davis, and you don't quite have any other player like Anthony Davis in the league, that can do what he does. So, like, it's not a recipe you can follow. And to me, that's really scary. The other thing is, like, a a guard doesn't really have to go through that much change physically, and it scares me that Mobley is going to have to put on some weight. And we saw what happened to Capello when he put on some weight, and eventually lost a lot of his mobility on the perimeter. And if you take away imagine that the same happens to imagine the same happens to to Mobley where he where he puts on some weight, he loses a bit of mobility, all of a sudden he's I don't know, like can he still can he still do the the, the like one of the main things about him is the the handle and the playmaking. Like if he put if he loses mobility the the charm about him is all gone, basically. So, like he's basically Clint Capello with a better jump shot and some better touch around the rim. With Green, it's like okay, he, he you can he can come into the league and be ineffective and turn into Andrew Wiggins or whatever. But at least you can see it. Have, you can see the progression and you can see. Okay, this is what he can become, and this is how you build around it. And to me, it's less of a risk to take Green than it is to take Mobley based on that, because I consider them to be very close, uh, like skill-wise. So, you, you ultimately, what edges it to Green for me? It is this is this has been done before. You can you can recreate it. We've done it with Harden, even though Harden's a different prospect. So. Yeah, it's it's basically that. It's two really close prospects where I wouldn't be mad at either of them. But while nitpicking, like you said before, I'd go with green because it's something we can that's been done before, and you can follow a a path. There's an exi- there's an existing model exactly. there. Thank for, you for, for helping me out. Sure. Okay. All right. All right, and and there and the, this is the important part. Before I throw it to Inamar so that he can present his argument, and then I'm going to jump in third. But like, <clears throat> there's a, there's great arguments on both sides for both for both prospects. Like, and even there's even some legitimate arguments for Suggs. Maybe not at like two overall, unfortunately, because I think again, like the other two have kind of separated themselves from him. 
But there's great arguments all around for these guys. And that's the whole part of this is, you know, having these discussions and really trying to analyze it from every single angle. So, Itamar, go ahead and, and lead us off with, with your thoughts on Mobley and any counterpoints that you have to Prodigy. And then uh, I'll, I'll take it from there. Yeah, I just want to say that, like, I've thought over this in my mind for like ever since we, we finished second in the lottery. And at the end, like my takeaway, which listen to smart people and most smart draft people have Mobley in a different tier than Jalen Green. That's obviously not my entire argument, but that's kind of, that, that helps me decide. But uh, the argument for Mobley is that, yes, there hasn't been any, there haven't been any other even Mobleys, but it's not like he does something we've never seen before. He just does a lot of things that we've seen from other players. For instance, if you just saw someone with his perimeter skill set, I mean, that exists. So with his defense, defensive perimeter skill set, that exists. He, there are centers who can defend the perimeter and switch. The, you, you got Ben or the Bayer who can do that. And maybe none of them are seven feet, but we know that's something that works. And his ring protection, when you have Woody Gobert, he can switch. He cannot switch out to the perimeter, but we know the win protection is very effective. On offense, you got Christian Wood, and both are extremely sim- similar skill set-wise offensively. And Mobley just has much more path to succeed because I can see him becoming an incredible pain protector and maybe and not everything else fails. And it's just like Woody Gobert with seven feet and it has better touch. And that's like a top 15 player if nothing else works. Maybe it's just an added switch defender. Maybe it's just his passing turns out. Maybe his shooting turns out. Like he has so many things that he's he's shown potential at at some levels at least. But I believe he's gonna work out to be a great player no matter what. I will say that I have become a little wary of him in the past, like today, basically because I saw like the reports that maybe. That he before he joined USC, uh, because his big brother left his team, then he was less like active in the game, and he seemed like he didn't want to play basketball as much. And that's if that's actually true, it's a big red flag. But what, that's what the interviews are for, and the Rockets can figure it out whether he loves the game of basketball or not, because we know Green does. But if he does, then I think he's the clear pick to me. Yeah, there's there's definitely something to be said for those intangible aspects that you need to kind of really dig deeper for and figure out when it comes to some of these prospects. And, you know, for lack of better terminology for it, right, it's like that it factor, right? The, you know, that that killer mentality when you're on the court, you know, final seconds of a game, you know, you're, you're the guy who's ready to take the clutch shot to, you know, to rise to the occasion, whatever that that you know, you love to hoop mentality. And we've, we've seen players who have flopped because they haven't, you know, given it their all or because they haven't been super fully invested in their careers. You know, they haven't gone, you know, hundred percent, you know, to the wall as far as their development and progression goes. And that'll maybe be something to be aware of moving forward. But I do want to highlight something that I think is kind of prevalent right now. And I could be wrong on this. Maybe I'm like, I don't want I don't think I'm projecting, but I think there's like this, feeling and whether or not you've like internalized it and you realize that this is how you feel, maybe this will help. 
I think a lot of Rockets fans are just subconsciously just begging to have that guy back that they think can be the number one guy moving forward. Like the, the franchise guy, the number one option, the closer, whatever you want to call it, the alpha level scorer. And that's clearly Jalen Green. Like Evan Mobley is probably not that guy. He's got an amazing, he's going to have an incredible, you know, NBA career. The floor is incredibly high on him. As you already illustrated, Evan Mobley does a variety of things on the court at an exceptional level already. And he's only going to get better at the NBA level. And again, you know, you, the, the comps that you throw out talking about Evan Mobley, right? A, a Chris Bosch, Anthony Davis-esque hybrid who is, you know, going to be potentially like the future of the big man in the NBA because he can switch out onto the perimeter and guard smaller players. He's got the rim protection offensively, very well polished across his entire game. Needs to pick up the outside shooting just a little bit, but the the form looks good. The the fundamentals are are very solid. But for a lot of Rockets fans, I think that's why Green has been kind of the guy that they're looking at because they view him as like the the next, I guess, cornerstone moving forward. And some of my argument stems from, for Mobley, that is, stems from, I don't know if you necessarily need this pick to be that that guy, quote unquote, moving forward, because the Rockets have so many different pathways and avenues to potentially secure that guy within the next reasonably two to three seasons, right? And whether that be they hit on a guy in the draft, in in these in one of these upcoming drafts, who is you know the qual the the number one option, the the new cornerstone franchise guy, or whatever. Maybe that's the option. Maybe they trade for him, right? They've got so many picks, so much liquid draft capital with all the Brooklyn Nets picks and and the the plethora of draft picks that they've kind of restocked, uh, you know, over the last twelve to twelve months or so, that they could make a play for an established guy, right? So. Obviously, kind of like there's there's rumblings, right, with with Luca in, in Dallas. I highly doubt Luca Doncic is ever a Houston Rocket. That's a pipe dream. But we have seen time and time again how quickly the NBA landscape shifts. And at the moment there's a guy who is unhappy, disgruntled, whatever, wants out, Rafael Stone is gonna be poised and in a position to make a play that, hey, the only other general manager that can that can beat an offer from Rafael Stone right now is Sam Presti with the Thunder. So and then, you know, maybe they get outbid for the next upset star, whatever. That's a possibility. But at least there's other avenues to go. And I think that Evan Mobley overall is a rarer talent for what he gives you at that five spot, especially with with where the NBA game is trending and what you would ideally want a future five to look like on a championship caliber team. Yeah, I mean, you just like. I think it comes down to simply, who do you think is the better prospect? And you take the better prospect and just worry about the other things later. I mean, you're also going to have a top lottery pick next year unless you do something stupid and try to win now from some, for some reason. Uh, really, Green looks like more like a showfire star because, well, his highlights are insane. Like, he's Mike, it's looking like Michael Jordan with his vertical explosion, with his shooting, like, it's amazing to watch, and he's passing. Like he's got some nice assists as well. Uh, there is, I do think, like, I mean, I hard for me to see him turning out to be someone m- much better than Cohen Day, Bradley Bill. And what Cohen Day, Bradley Bill is, well, he just almost led the league in scoring. Like it came down to the final game of the season. I think he averaged thirty-two points. Kerry averaged thirty-two point two, whatever. He's someone like last year we missed the playoff and he wasn't close. This year with Westbrook, Westbrook was 
the higher impact player, I'd say, because if you just go and you okay at playmaking wise, your defense is not great, you just score, then it's a great thing for championship level teams that if you play for with an initiator, then well, you can really contribute. But if you just the only really good scorer on the team, just not gonna lift them very far. And I think some people really view Jalen Green as that initial type, initiator type is that floor raiser like James Harden was. And he's not that, but I really can't say good enough thing, enough good things about uh, Jalen Green because like, I don't remember a prospect recently that I was so sure about him being one of the five best scorers in the league. He's just so versatile scoring wise and he's going to be great. Uh, so, like, you made the Bradley Beal comparison, and that's a really nice comparison, but imagine what Bradley Beal would be doing if he was, like, three inches taller. Like, the thing is, we know Bradley Beal. Is Jaden three inches taller? Yeah, I think he's, he's six six, right? He's listed at six six, and, I mean, he's young, so maybe he grows another inch or something, so... Yeah, so he's six six. You, like, you look at Bradley Beal, he's amazing scorer. He was... I'm looking at his stats right now. He wasn't that efficient this season, like, from three at least. But, like, the tools are there for him to be a great defender too. And another point I wanted to bring up is who, like, it's like the chicken and, and the egg. Who do you, who, what's most important? What do you need first? Do you need the initiator first? Or do you need the defensive anchor first? Because ultimately, you want your best player or yeah, you try for your best player to be someone who can get his own bucket, who who makes who who get a shot out of nowhere. So, uh, like imagine imagine this: we're we're playing a playoff game, and you gotta get a bucket. We, are you going to to are you going to rely on someone you brought like from the outside, like ultimately? I think most Rockets fans would agree that this is going to be our best player for a while. If if Stone is really does what I think he's trying to do, which is compete as soon as possible without making without spending assets, we could be uh, like the tenth worst team in the league next year. And if we are that we're not going to get a better chance at getting a player this good for a while. I know we have the picks, but like you have to force it. Like Brooklyn needed all of those picks and they could only get James Harden because he chose Brooklyn. So we have all of the picks, but ultimately the, the player has to choose the Rockets. Like when a player, if a player is that good, he's not going to be traded. Uh, so the only way you, you can get a player like that is free agency, of which we've talked about, and we're not that big of a market. And Or you can trade for one, and you will only trade for a player that good if you can, if he requests a trade and you're specifically on the list of teams he wants to go to. So, like... This is only a discussion. I, I wanted to say this again so people don't think I'm I'm like, oh, you're 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 talking about fit and fit doesn't really matter, just go for the best guy. 
remember that I'm saying this from the from the standpoint that to me they're equally as good as one another. So fit does matter because they're tied. So when they're tied, you gotta you gotta nitpick like I'm doing right now. What you'd want to get first, and to me, the first thing you want to get is the scorer as well. Like, would you rather like on the Lakers last year? Would you rather have who do you think they they should get first, AD or LeBron? You should you should go for the the scoring option first, LeBron. That's like well, my LeBron is also like. The greatest playmaker in in the history of. I mean, I mean, yes, yeah. Like, I don't know who's going to win this year, but let me see. Let me see if I can find a comparison this year. Uh, and there, there's it's, no. It's teams. a hard, it's a harder comparison because you the the closest you can get, I think, like realistically, is looking at the Utah Jazz. Do you want yeah, Donovan that, Mitchell yeah, or do you want Rudy Gobert? Un- up, yeah. Unfortunately, Rudy Gobert is quite a bit more one-dimensional than yeah. Evan Mobley projects to be. And I think that's where you get into, Edomar brought up such a beautiful point, talking about all the different comps. You know, Rudy Gobert's rim protection, but the switchability of Bam Adebayo on the perimeter, the offensive repertoire of Christian Wood, the playmaking ability that is slightly underrated that I don't think is getting enough attention. You know, he just, he has such a well-rounded game all, you know, in all facets that, I, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, exposed the way that Rudy Gobert was. I think he's going to thrive potentially the way that Bam Adebayo has. And picturing him in that, you know, in that role alongside Christian Wood, because I do think that they can share the floor together. And then having Kevin Porter Jr. be the conductor of the offense, right, keeping the ball in his hands. I think KPJ's progression does play a bit of a part in this because if if the Rockets front office is bought into what KPJ, what they think he can become, right, whatever that ceiling may be, if they are bought into what he might actually become down the line, then you're already kind of set with a potential lead guard, potentially like alpha score, you know, elite playmaker type presence. I've been drawing comparisons to the current version Atlanta Hawks between Trey, John Collins and Clint Capella. That would be Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood, and Evan Mobley. Again, slight differences in, in each other's game. Kevin Porter Jr. needs to round out his shooting and become more consistent uh, you know, behind the arc to really unlock the rest of his game and make life easier for himself and for his teammates. But after putting in an offseason work, I think that we've seen like there's nothing there's nothing mechanically wrong with this shot. There's a lot of you know questions surrounding his confidence at times. You know, he definitely gets down on himself. Throughout the course of a game, if he makes a mistake, a bad turnover, a missed shot, you know, whatever. And that's a that's a growth and maturity thing that's going to get better as he, you know, gets older and as he spends more time with his coaching staff and really, you know, keeps his confidence, uh, keeps confidence up. But I want to pull up really quick. We've got hang on. I lost him. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? There he is. All right. Here we go. We got our first request. Get up here. There we go. We are bringing up, up Buttermilk Jesus. How are you doing, guys? What's up, man? What's up? Uh, before you before you drop in these thoughts, what's up with buttermilk Jesus? <laughs> Please explain. Um, I have a rapper known as JPEG Mafia. Uh, he's my favorite artist, and I just stole his uh, his uh, what's it called? One of his names. I don't know what his nicknames. <laughs> I just took All it, right, so. bet. Okay. All right. So what you got yeah. for us? Um, I'm really into the draft. Uh, I don't know if Edomar recognized me or not, but uh, like I spend way too much time analyzing the draft. Uh, recently I've been doing mock drafts as the Rockets, just cause you guys are like arguably the most interesting draft night team, in my opinion, with two picks in the twenties and then the top two pick. 
Um, I'm firmly on Team Mobley. I have Mobley like a half tier ahead. Um, a lot of great points have been said. Uh, Jackson, thank you for finally bringing up Kevin Porter Jr. because that's something that I think uh, has to be brought up when when talking about like the Rockets' future timeline as far as winning the next championship. Because I think Kevin Porter Jr. is definitely like part of the young core. Like he's your guys' best offensive creator at 21. I, I this is a hot take, like a really hot take, <laughs> but I think Kevin Porter Jr. is arguably a better creator. Like you can project me a better creator than Jalen Green is. Uh, I would argue that Anthony Edwards is a better prospect than Jalen Green. So, like, as far as, like, him being super rare, um, like, in the last two drafts, we just had Kevin Porter Jr. And, and Anthony Edwards, like, two guys that, like, I don't know. Like, there hasn't been an Evan Mobley in the last two drafts is my point. Um, he's arguably the best defensive prospect than Anthony Davis. Like, I would throw Jaron Jackson in there, but uh, I love Jaron Jackson. Um, Evan Mobley is, like uh, – guy that personifies so much of what my philosophy loves is he's a guy that combines skill and height and size um along with giving you like two-way legit all nba two-way impact on both sides of the floor that's something Jalen green can't say um and more than anything he's super scalable like him pairing him up with christian wood would fit pairing him up with kevin porter jr would fit like Jalen green has a certain amount of overlap with Kevin Porter Jr. that, like, if all things were equal anyways, which, I like, as far as talent, I think Mobley is a slightly better player. Um, if all things were equal, even just going off the fit argument, I think Mobley just a clearer fit. Like, there's some level of overlap between him and Kevin Porter Jr. I mean, Green and Kevin Porter Jr. that, like, would make me slightly uncomfortable because you're not going to get the best out of both. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm open to, to discussing, so. No, I, I, wasn't... I, 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 I'm just going to throw it out there because I mentioned yeah. it earlier and I, I just want to say, because I, again, everybody, when we, when we talk about these prospects and everything, I just run a really hammer in the fact that you have to consider the defensive side of the basketball. Everybody wants to focus on offense and I get it. Jalen Green is an absolute bucket. He is going to be a, a bona fide pure scorer at the NBA level, but I mentioned it super early on in this room. I do not like the idea of a Kevin Porter Jr. Jalen Green backcourt in the future, or just even, even in general, like, Having that defensive anchor in Evan Mobley and everything else that he provides, just you know, pound for pound, I think it's a more in, a exciting fit for the Rockets. And I agree, uh, you know, that I think it's a, a slightly more seamless fit to just slot Evan Mobley in right there next to Christian Wood, who we learned that you know the Rockets now view uh, Christian Wood as a multi-positional player, right? I think they went into last season thinking Christian Wood was the five of the future. And I think as the season progressed, we learned that Steven Silas and Rafael Stone now view Christian Wood as a guy who is interchangeable at the four or five spot and can play both. So that's just my two cents. And what's great is that Mobley can also interchange at the four and exactly. the five. Exactly. Um, yes. Like the, the great thing with there is that you have time to like develop him into a, like a develop him into his frame to the point where he can eventually play the five. I think his very best play will be at the five. I think he's a unicorn. Um just also batting on Prodigy's point about like uh like the like you've never seen a player like Mobile before, so therefore building around him is harder. Like I argue that's like a good thing for him because like I you want unique talents at the very very like top of the draft. You want guys that you can't replicate. Um, Mobley is a guy that's really hard to define with any like one to one comp. Honestly, like I think Anthony Davis is missing out on a bit of like his playmaking equity. Um, Bam Adebayo is missing out on just a bit of the face up game that I think. Evan Mobley probably be better at, but there's like so many roles that he fits in. I, yeah, I, I love Mobley. I, I cannot wait till KPJ and Mobley play together because I think that's a 
perennial playoff core, like just off the bat. And at that point, you're just looking for maybe another wing and you're set. But yeah. Like one other thing I wanted to say is I, I, I do not guarantee whatsoever that I'm not going to leave the screen room thinking Mobley is the better is the better choice. Like it's totally possible that ten minutes from now I'm telling you Mobley is the better prospect because you've convinced me. It's like it's that the thing is like We love to hear it. I, I like I'm not one hundred percent like I, it's not like I'm not going to change until the draft. Um the thing is like I try to convince like when I'm watching Evan Mobley I'm trying to convince myself this is the best guy, because most of the people say this is the best guy. But, like, I watch him play. I Like, he's a really good defender, but I, I keep thinking there's so much that can go wrong. I, I keep thinking, like, we, we cannot let this go wrong. And this is such a unique player that so much can go wrong. We can, like, I know, I know Itamar hates me when I bring this up, but it's a unicorn. Unicorn usually have really bad problems with injuries. He has to put on weight. That's another thing that can get out of control or that you, he cannot refine the best way. He can not develop like a proper, reliable three-point shot, which is another problem. Like I just feel like Those I, are... I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for so much to to go right and so much can go wrong from in from my point of view that I'm like man I really 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 want to switch to this guy cuz yeah. I, I can't be the only one and and my my mind keeps bombarding me with stuff that can go wrong and I'm so afraid of this going wrong cuz we don't have many shots like this at the end of the day I'd argue he's hard to be a bust just because the level of feel that he has is so high that I I find it very hard for him not to be like a, at least a net positive player. Like a I, I low end starter would be the most bottom end like outcome I can think of with him. Um, and the thing is, like you said, like the things that concern you are the weight and like the shot getting together. Those are two things that NBA like front offices have had great success in developing in the last like 10 years. I think those are questions that are far less concerning now more than ever. Um, just because, like, you know he's going to be put in the weight room with, like, world-class uh, weight uh, strength and conditioning team. You know he's going to put in a bunch of work on the shot just because you know that's something, especially the Houston yeah, Rockets, the are going to value very much. So I The shot doesn't really worry me as much. Like, what, the, that weight thing, it said, front offices have been dealing with that for a while. I just wanted to, to for you to expand on that a little because... Other than AD, how 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 many centers have they gotten right that can that maintain that mobility after they join the? I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is hard because like, he just recently came off an injury this year, but I think like and also he's had struggles playing the five too. I I think Jaron Jackson's had a really interesting developmental like story in the last two seasons because he has turned out to be much more of an offensive threat versus like the defensive anchor than we had anticipated. Um, but uh, I'm trying to come up with a good example of just good weight gain. Um, a guy like Joel Embiid pops up, but I do not see Evan Mobley getting like the weight that <laughs> Joel Yeah, it's, it's really had, like, unique, like a unicorn yeah. actually making it like in that sense. It's so weird because K- uh, Perzingis, like you, we know what Perzingis is nowadays. Yeah. Seawood is still really slim and 
I don't think he'll ever be a lot buffer than that. Then how many unicorns do you have still besides those? There's not many, and it have like it's been a thing for years. But how how many times has it gone right? Is the ultimate question, and I don't think it has gone right a ton, to be honest. I, I, I think Giannis. 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 Yeah. Oh yeah, Giannis. That's actually a great one. Yeah. I think. I mean, I don't. Players are players you want to bet on more than anything, though. Like even if injury is a risk, like in the case of like. This was a conversation with Zion before the draft. I just don't think you should let that concern really scare you all that much over, like, what is a pretty bonafide, like, all-star talent at the very least for the most part. Um, so, yeah. I, I would, just a disclaimer, I'm going to get flamed for this. I would have went Morant over, over Zion. I know, I'm I, like, nobody agrees <laughs> with me. I still, I stick by this. I would have gone Morant over Zion. That's, I that's just, spicy. Don't uh, yeah, that's, that's hot. <laughs> yeah. Also, hey, my man, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you down just to get somebody else up on stage. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you guys. All right. Thanks for wait, 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 oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay. Go, 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 go. I just want like your Twitter handle isn't Badominic Badominic Jesus. Isn't uh, you just said like we've been interacting <laughs> on Twitter and I'm trying to figure out what you are. Because, and <laughs> I don't uh, know. I'm, I'm at Cozy Lido. I think my profile is linked to my ah, my account. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I don't have much to add because you've been making the right points and uh, all of that. Just like I just want to say again that every time, I mean, who fits better with KPJ? Who's that? I mean, take the best prospect, and I think the best pop prospect here is uh, Evan Mobley, just because of his versatility, how great he's defensively, and yeah, it's hard to see him not not turning into like a multifaceted NBA star for me. Because Stal, also, because Stal isn't just calling. I also want to just push back on one thing before I leave. Uh, on the idea that Jalen Green is like a a surefire all-NBA creator. Um, like, comparing him to James Harden is a struggle for me as far as, like, team constructs that have had success before. Because James Harden, obviously, and Chris, along with Chris Paul, like, they were as close to defeating the, the juggernaut Warriors as any team, right? As everybody here knows. And, like, that's the level of creator you have to get. Like, those are two all-time Hall of Famer creators that you have to get into the system in that kind of, like, uh, setup to get to that point. Uh, my thing is, like, I don't even know if Jalen Green ever I, reaches I could be wrong. that level. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody actually compared him to Harden yeah. as far as his level of creation. In fact, a couple of us were just kind of hesitant on his ability to create for others, like, at the NBA level. Like, he's shown some flashes here and there, but... Uh, I don't think any one of us on here actually like pushed that narrative. I could be wrong. Well, like I, I was, I, I think I heard Prodigy talk about like as far as team construction, as far as a guy that you would see easier to construct around because you've seen the scoring two guard before. Is my point? I feel like he's closer to to like a guy like Zach Levine yeah. and like yeah, that, that's Devin Booker, right? Which isn't like terrible, right? Obviously, those guys are great all like all star players, but they're guys that require like a specific like a very strong surrounding cast in order to get to the point of 60 wins, right, is my thing. And I think Evan Mobley is a rare talent that can help produce that type of success easier and in a way that's more, like, that leaves more flexibility. He leaves more usage. He leaves a room for another, like, perimeter creator. So that would be my argument for another argument for Mobley. So, yeah. Thank you, guys. Uh, it's yeah, it's sure. I think he's your ideal second up. He's your ideal second star, not... Like he's yeah, the ideal one B, yeah, yeah, exactly. He, yeah. yeah, just like AD, AD can't be the best guy on the championship team, but he's the best second guy you could. Yep, exactly. So yeah, thank you guys.
Appreciate it. All right, let's get, we had somebody waiting in the wings. We got Zach. Get up here, Zach. What's up, Zach? Zach's good got out. Um, Zach, Zach get, I mean, he's unmuted on my end, so uh, we'll see how this yeah, goes. All right, I'm going to bench Zach. Right, thanks for Zach. Okay. <laughs> All right, everybody, round of applause for Zach. Good great. job, Zach. And request again, we'll get you back up here. Let's get Damien up here. What's up, Damien? Yo, what's up? Oh god, I, I don't think I'm yeah. immediately turned off. Oh damn. I'm joking. I'm... <laughs> hey listen man, uh real quick. Uh, I don't know if Jackson remembers um in the previous Lockdown Rockets. I I spoke about uh Joel and Beats look built in high school in not in high school, in college, looking yeah. similar to Mobley member. I don't know if you remember that. I do, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I actually did my research and then I saw that Joel Embiid was two fifty pounds in college. And Nevin Mobley is two fifteen, so just seeing that transition from college Embiid to like NBA Embiid, he's now two eighty, so that's thirty pounds difference that he did in a couple of years. I don't see Mobley getting anywhere near even like two sixty, two seventy, in his first couple of years. Like I feel like he would feel uncomfortable in his own skin, just putting on fifty pounds, just to like get anywhere near that weight. So we're just gonna stick to like the you know the whole unicorn talk. I feel like he's just gonna be built that way almost his whole, you know, career. Does that make sense what I'm saying right I now? think I think I think looking at Mobley, I think he's got a better better starting frame than than like looking at Christian Wood as far as the ability to add a bit more mass to his frame. So I think that he can potentially bulk up a bit more successfully than Christian cuz look, Christian Wood's 25 already, right? Like and he's been in the NBA, granted he's only played, you know, under what is it, 100 80 games or something less than that. I mean, he hasn't played a full two seasons yet. So, you know, Christian Wood, but he's bounced around. He's been with teams. He's had access to the the physical training staff. He's had access to these weight rooms. If Christian Wood hasn't bulked up considerably by, considerably by now, it's not going to happen. Like, he might add a little bit more muscle mass this offseason because the Rockets do view him and want him to play that 4-5 or five role kind of interchangeably. And adding a little bit more mass, I think, is going to help him, like, finish a little better bang a little bit better with some of the other bigs down low. But ultimately, Christian Wood's level of success stems from the ability that he can out outplay other bigs because of his quickness, because of his lateral movement, because of his explosiveness. And he is at risk of losing some of that if he bulks up too much. And he may not even be able to, right? But I think Evan Mobley, you look at him, and I think his frame is a little bit different from Christian Wood. It's still He's still kind of got that wiry frame, but I think yeah, he's got yeah. a better frame to add a little bit more muscle mass to it. So maybe con, you know, consider you know, 230 to 45 range-ish and still hopefully able to bulk up but maintain what makes him unique defensively, the ability to switch and, and keep that lateral quickness and the same explosiveness that he has right now. Yeah, I, I mean, will be nice. looking, uh, like looking at Wood as an example, uh, I mean, Wood is not, does not have the same wingspan as a Yanis, and he's not as tall and he's not a defensive genius and he's, and he gets bullied but by uh, bigger centers. And that is still like, he's, I would say he's okay defensively. He was a little more than okay before the injury. He doesn't even know how to really use his length and he's still okay. Now you take Mobley with just much better defense and I'm not that worried about him. Like maybe won't be someone who you can put on Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic in E1, 
that's fine. We will we're rebuilding. He's gonna get there in four years. That's like that's the timeline. So just go for the highest ceiling guys as possible. Highest ceiling guys possible, and uh, that's even. I, I do just want to throw it out there too. The idea, because uh, what Edomar said, it's totally true, right? Before the injury. And before, because the injury definitely robbed Christian Wood of some of that explosiveness and the athleticism that we kind of saw on display pre-injury. And I think defensively, he was starting to kind of piece it together a little bit. Like, I mean, when he started the season, it was rough. I mean, the defensive awareness was not there. The understanding of how to switch, you know, what just all of the, the defensive principles took a while to hammer in for, for Christian Wood. And I'm trying to be polite about it. You've got to add prodigy again. He accidentally left. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll... I'll where is he? I'll pull him back up. Um, why do I see four Yoda rockets in the chat? What is happening? Anyways. It's Yoda's um, special power or nothing. Yeah, you're back. We got you. Yeah, we got you. Um, so I do want to say that, right, Christian Wood did start to show strides defensively. And where I think Christian Wood definitely really started to look good was as a as a like weak side shot blocker, being able to time it properly, helping out on drives and, and really – you know, protecting the rim to an extent. Like he was, he was kind of occupying space at not a, you know, at a slightly above average level. He was starting to really, you know, pick up his defensive awareness and, and know how to occupy space, use his length as a shot blocker. And the idea of a Mobley Wood front court with all that length to clog the paint, to, you know, deal, to disrupt passing lanes, and then to both have two guys who are excellent like weak side shot blockers to come over as far as help defenders and whatnot on drives and whatnot. I think that's a really exciting thing. Even if you don't care about Christian Wood as far as his long-term fit with the Rockets, you know, whether or not he's in the timeline, you know, three, four, five years down the line from now, just the idea of those two guys kind of clogging things up defensively. I like that from just a, just a random note stamp. Yeah. Well, uh, while I was gone, I, like I was going because I was trying to check this out. Like to me, a perfect, a perfect like frame for for Mobley would be like someone like John Collins, you know, who's made strides defensively this season because he put on some weight and now he can he can hold back some of those most more physical guys. He can deal with Embiid yet, but like he can he can make it a little tougher on you. And I think I think he Mobley could easily replicate that. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on is. As time goes on in this room, I'm leaning Mowgli, like slowly but surely, leaning Mowgli more and more and more. Um, because of what you said, because I, I think it makes sense, and I think when you're when you're when you're drafting for a team this desperate for talents, you gotta swing for the fences. And ultimately, the I, I think the concerns I have are valid, but you you gotta live with them because. There's there's also potential green busts, but like the the the, the ultimate ceiling, I'm starting to think it's it, it's higher on Mobley right now. Even if he doesn't have that that great of an offensive game, I think another thing that we haven't touched on is Silas loved Olinik because he could run plays through him and add Olinik to a lot of the playmaking. And if you Take Olinik out of the out of that that line. I mean, you put uh, Mobley in, and he can do those same things, or at least ninety percent of them. I think, like trying to predict who we're going to draft, I think Silas would really like Mobley right now. I think that's a great point, and that's also something I tweeted about like yesterday. I think they're just 
both Olenik and Mobley are really versatile offensively. Obviously, Olenik is much more polished and smart and better on that end because apparently he's a top, he's a top five center offensively or something. I don't know what exactly we just witnessed in Houston, but he was amazing. But what, like we saw Kelly Olenik run pick and rolls and throw lobs to KJ Martin. And well, even Mobley can run some pick and rolls. You know, he can, he has had some impressive low passes. We saw like they can do similar things. And I think Kelly Olinik could also really help Mobley in the sense that maybe Houston doesn't really have that guy to help Green because Wall maybe is more, he can help uh, KPJ in uh, initiating the offense or in, in finding open guys. And the, he isn't really a scorer guy for Green to learn from in Houston. And Olenik is going to be great help for Mobley. I do want to say, like, I didn't plan, like, this is fun. <laughs> I didn't just plan for this to be only uh, Jalen Green versus Evan Mobley, but this is great. And I was having this discussion with somebody earlier today, because th- this is another one of those, like, um, kind of, it's another fit-based argument, and again, I think when you when you look at the margins being so close between two potential prospects, uh, that it's okay to consider a few of the other arguments. And for me, the the first one that I mentioned earlier was like the defensive fit, right? And that's where I keep coming back to thinking about the idea of you know what Mobley provides you defensively versus what you you would you know get or miss out, I guess, on defensively from. Jalen Green, and that's also why I was kind of high, kind of high on on Jalen Suggs originally, because of that idea that you pair again a, a backcourt mate with Kevin Porter Jr., uh, who kind of helps, I guess, anchor anchor that to an extent. Um, but reasonably, I, I wanted to follow up on that. Reasonably, can how many I guess how many net negative to like neutral defenders to plus defenders can you have on like an ideal roster, right? And to me, like, I don't think it's, I mean, maybe Kevin, I, I don't think Kevin Porter Jr. is ever going to be like a, a net positive defender, right? I think neutral and occasionally like a net negative defender are probably where he's at. So then Jalen Green, I mean, he's got, he's six six, decent wingspan, like maybe he figures it out, but I don't think he's ever going to be that, that plus level defender. And I'd argue that you can't have two guys like that sharing the backcourt together unless you have a really impressive front court that's like anchoring your defense. And so again, I think you have to consider Kevin Porter Jr. moving forward with whatever this pick is it, it, because there's the margins are so razor thin. Also, I'm going to get somebody else up here really quick. We're going to get, you need to get Don here, man. Don's going to hold it down for green. Don, man. Don hasn't requested yet. Wait, Don, Damien, what are you doing, man? Da- Damien, I appreciate you. I'm going to drop you back down. Got you guys. Take care, man. What's up, Mikey? What you got for us? Hey, what's up? So, you know, I'm a huge Rockets fan, and I just think that, you know, we should really take Jalen Green. Like, you know, I think I think this, I think think the the MJ comparison in terms of athleticism and finishing, I don't think that's, like, super crazy. Like, like if you see the tape, like, the way this guy is able to just hang in the air, wait for defenders to fall down, like, like, that stuff is super rare. Like, Bradley Beal's not doing that. Zach Levine, he's not doing that. Like, that's just super special. Yeah, I do think that 
Bill, Mike Prada wrote something really good about it, like a couple months back. He has an ability to jump sideways that is crazy athletic. Just wanted to point it out. But yeah, Green has some really crazy finishes. And with his shooting and space creation, it's why I'm really high on him as a scorer. I just feel like personally, I haven't seen enough to say that he's going to be good, like legitimately good at anything else other than scoring. And that does worry me. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's finishes. Like the highlights, you look, you look at his highlights and you're like, man, like draft him over Cade because his highlights are the best in the class. That's, that's undisputed. Yeah, if you let, if you let Tillman watch some of these highlights, we're, we're done. It's, it's green and, and he's going over Rafa Stone and it's, it's just going to be green. We got to make sure that Tillman doesn't see any highlights so it doesn't affect anything. Because if he sees it, we're, we're done. We're done. And another thing is, like, his three-point shot is already just, like, really, really good. Like, 36.5% at 19 years old. Like, I just think this guy's really going to be unguardable. Like, once, like, he gets that up even more. Because, like, what are you going to do? Like, his first step is, is amazing. But also, how are you going to guard a three-point shot while, while guarding his drive? Like, I don't know. I just think this guy is going to be, like, I just think, like, defenses are just going to have to swarm around him. And I think passing is just going to be easy for him because he's just going to draw so much attention. I have no, I mean, I don't have any counter arguments to, to that. I think that the passing, we've seen it a bit on display. Um, you know, does it translate at the NBA level? Uh, possibly. Again, I, I think there's just the idea of Green and Kevin Porter Jr. coexisting. Um, I don't think, again, I, it, it's not like there's, it's not like it's a clunky fit. Kevin Porter Jr. is an extremely willing passer. Um, I just think that Kevin Porter Jr. is not like the, the lead guard that you would want next to Jalen Green. So it's almost like to me, it's almost like taking Jalen Green is a way of viewing Kevin Porter Jr. as like, okay, we don't think your ceiling is as high as we once did. And that's okay. Like, that's fine. If that's the way the Rockets want to view it, we've only got what a 27 game sample size of Kevin Porter Jr. and his G League tape. Uh, I mean, it was with, with, with him having the ball in his hands, that is to say, right? Because he's not that floor general, you know, lead guard type player, unfortunately, right? That's a, that's a Jalen Suggs type. That's a Chris Paul type, a, a Kyle Lowry type. That's the type of lead guard that you want next to a Jalen Green. And so I do think that if they go Jalen Green, I think it definitely puts a bit of a question mark on what they view as like Kevin Porter Jr.'s future with the team. Can they coexist? Sure. Is it a perfect fit? No. That's kind of where I come away from. Also, uh, yeah. appreciate, it, appreciate it, Mikey. I'm going to get some more people up on the stage, all right? All right, cool, cool, cool. Hey, uh, I just, I just want to shout out to Erwin. Erwin, uh, I, he's a great guy. Just want to shout out him. Come, come hop on and come talk, man. All right. Don, hang on. You're next. We got, we got Braylon. Braylon, what's up, man? Yeah, uh, it's Braylon. Uh, you may re- uh, y'all may not recognize me, but uh, I think uh, – Itamar remembers the argument, the, not argument, but the debate we had earlier in the morning about Kay Cunningham and Jalen Green about being the best prospect of the class. I, I'm young Nova, but um, I'm I'm also part of Green uh, Gang Green Green Gang, whatever whatever you want to call. Oh it. no no no! Don't swap those two. That doesn't. 
Yeah, don't, yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about no gangrene in this room, please. Like that's not that's not a thing. Green gang. It 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 yeah, nah, that was absolutely disgusting. It's been a long day. But um so I look at stuff in a bigger picture and how things align with the Rockets and uh I kinda scout guys way before they even thought of NBA prospects from freshmen and all this stuff. Like I know kinda who you like how the classes are going to look in all this, and I I will say Evan Mobley is an absolute unicorn and all this stuff, but also past history shows guys that has the ability and has you know shooting touch and you know he could be a defensive a a, a defensive uh, anchor, but he also got re- really great offensive ability. You can look at guys um, like Cat, everybody was like, Cat is that guy, but Cat miss, but Cat doesn't have the mentality. You can look at Andrew Wiggins. He's not a center, but Andrew Wiggins is a player that everybody thought was, okay, he's going to be it because, you know, he has the athletic ability. He can shoot. He can score. Um, and they thought that was it. But once again, he also missed, the, you know, the, um, the mental fortitude to be a star player. And I've watched Green since Green was a freshman in high school. Green has that attitude that I am the man, I would do it. And uh, when you have a pick as high as two in a class like this, you can't pass up on a guy with that men- uh, with that mentality because it's very rare that you get guys with that mentality with the shooting ability and the athletic ability to just say, hey, I'm the best man on the court, I'm going to do it. And then uh, we saw shades of him doing that in the G League in a professional uh, uh, in, in a professional arena compared to what you see from Evan Mobley in a more amateur setting where not as many guys are going to be pro. Um, and he was the focal point of the offense, but of course he would be because Evan Mobley is a unicorn. Once again, I, I like both, but past history shows that um, guys that lack that mental fortitude or attitude just don't work out. Even though they have good stats, they just aren't, good winners well we talked about that mental fortitude earlier we talked about that that like it factor right and i think you you know mental fortitude is a great way to is a great way to phrase it and that's going to be something that in these you know in these interviews that these teams are conducting those are going to be you know ways that they kind of divulge and figure out okay is this the guy that we think he is as far as his drive his hunger uh again that x factor whatever that you can't even that, that is hard to even quantify and i think you look at uh, Jalen Green clearly has it. I think Jalen Suggs clearly has it. Yeah, I think Evan Mobley might not have that, it. You, you go for, if you want if you want that it factor, you just go for Suggs. Like th- that's the whole argument around him. Like he's a no. He's, if he didn't have that factor, he'd be like a, a mid lottery pick to me. Like yeah, you you ex- from that's what you expect from Suggs. I don't think like. I don't think you can you can make the argument that Mowgli doesn't have it and Green has it just because Green talks more. Like you, you we've heard more from Green than we have from Mowgli. Like the, the dude being quiet doesn't mean the dude doesn't have the it factor to win. You know, it, it, yeah. it doesn't need like it's it's we're more sure Green has it than we are. Mowgli has it, but I don't think that that matters like too much. Again, I, mean, I just like, think it's because the other two, the other two have been more outright vocal yeah, yeah. or demonstrative about it. I'm not saying that Mobley doesn't have it. It's just we no. don't know for certain yet, right? Like he could very well have it and just be a more quiet guy, right? Maybe he's Kawhi esque, you know. That's and that's totally fine. Kawhi has that it factor, but he's not like he's also not like the emotional leader of the team. 
but he absolutely has that it factor when it comes down to the wire you need a bucket whatever like that's that's easily Kawhi. So maybe Mobley's, you know, got a bit more of that persona, you know, personality about him. That's fine. Yes, and I got one more point, and then I'm going to go ahead and hop off so so my guy Don can hop on whenever he's ready. But um, we got we, we got an example of where Evan Mobley got, uh, got out-dogged by somebody that's physically not as gifted as him. If you remember the Gonzaga USC game, Drew Timmy absolutely dominated him from, from tip to when the clocks hit uh when the clock hits straight zeros from that moment on it's like okay that's a little weakness if you get dominated by Drew Timmy I'm not saying Drew Timmy not a baller cuz he's a baller and the the handlebars was on point the whole tournament except for the final game of the season um but that's just a little example I'm gonna throw in Yo, Drew, I'm just going to throw it out there. Drew Timmy is the love child of me and at Josh Stros on Twitter. So, like, go go look at my profile picture and then go look at Josh and be like, yep, that's 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 their love child. When we were watching him ball, you know, uh, for, for Gonzaga in the tournament, every time we watched him play, it was like looking in a weird mirror, like a funhouse mirror. It was weird. Well, yeah, something, something I wanted to ask before we bring the, the knock-in is, like, imagine – like something uh, I would, I you know, I was like, what, what, what is it? Is it Suggs Squad or whatever? Back when I was Suggs Squad, I, I used to bring up this point that I think not many people bring up is to me what's what's mostly wrong with KPJ is the fact that he isn't aggressive all the time. Like we heard James Harden talk about it when he was here. You got to be aggressive every night. Try to get your bucket every night. And KPJ sometimes just feels like he's falling asleep. You know. I I wonder if like I like Jalen is like Jalen sucks could like light a light a fire under him you know Kyle Lowry style. But just just something I want to. What's going I think on? There's a, I, what's up, Don? Welcome up on stage. I, I, I think that's a I think that's an excellent point to bring up. I think do you look at KPJ? Does he have that killer instinct at the end of games? Right? Does KPJ have that it factor? I mean, there were plenty of times throughout the like... season, granted, small small sample size, where he willingly did not, like, put his imprint at the end of a game, where he willingly, think, like, I passed off the ball to a... other players. Right. What's up? I think you should ask Drew Holiday about that and hear what he has to say. Hey, hey, <laughs> that was – and that was an absurd game, right? That was that was that was a beautiful game. He was the youngest he player was ever to drop 50 it, yeah. points, 10-plus assists. But – there have been way many, way too many other moments, right, where he gets in his own head about stuff, gets down on things, right? Bad, again, I said it earlier, bad turnover, bad shot selection, whatever, and shies away from the moment a little bit at the end of games. And he's, but he's 20 years old. I'm not trying to like have a hang up on that, right? That's a, that's a maturity thing, and I think that that's going to get better. If I was going to be like cautiously optimistic about it, he's too much of a of a baller on the court for that not to get better. But I do think it's something of concern when you're looking at other guys who clearly have that mentality right now. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't, so for me, you you go, you go. Uh, okay, so for me, the KPJ thing, right? It seemed like when he would back off a lot of the times is when his shot wasn't falling, and he really didn't know how to do things to take over the game if the shot wasn't falling. And so I think I don't know if it's not an aggression aggression thing as much as it is like. He needs to find a way 
to be consistent if he can't get the shot to fall, like attack the rim more or go to his passing more or get Christian Wood involved. I, I really thought when KPJ was in the um, – he was in the G League bubble. He did a really good job at throwing the lobs. And, like, they were cycling bigs in and out. Like, Ray Spalding was down there, and Ray Spalding got pulled up, and they had other guys coming in and out. And he just seemed like he could come in with any big and just hit them with the lob pass or the pocket pass right away. And then when he came up to the Rockets, it seemed like him and Christian Wood really couldn't get on the same page until the very end of the year. And obviously, Christian Wood was out for a period of time there as well. But just felt like he could never really get on that type of page. But that's my thing with KPJ. It doesn't seem like it's – he definitely gets frustrated, but it seems like if his shot isn't falling, he'll get frustrated. And it's like he doesn't want to let people down. I don't think it's that he doesn't have the will to succeed as much. I mean, I just like Jackson. I don't know if any of you guys remember, but I caught some flack for like doing the jeeting bubble that KPJ like was never good in the clutch or whatever. And I, I like it never really mattered, but I do think it was noticeable. Like, I do agree with you that. He hasn't, like, outside with the Milwaukee game, which was an out-of-body experience, he really hasn't been good in the clutch, but also he's 20. And the maturity issues, like, that's why you have vets in. You have, that's why you have Kelly Olenek, Kelly Olenek, John Wall. I don't think you look at this pick and think, all right, who, who is going to help him the best? Who has the best intangibles? Who's, who has the best leadership? Because I'm drafting, I'm drafting a player, not just. No, no, one hundred percent. I just just to rehash really quick. I wasn't making the argument that you need to find somebody like with those intangibles to balance out KPJ. I was just simply stating that if if we can certifiably like look at a guy like Green or Suggs and say, oh, they have that X factor already, right? That mentality, that edge, whatever it is, right? Whatever we want to quantify that as, if we can safely look at them, we're like they definitely have it right now but we can't look at KPJ and safely say that he has it because we haven't seen it on display consistently, then that's a fair criticism. That's all I'm saying is that even though he's 20, if we can look at these other 19 and 20 year olds and safely say that they have it right now, then we should be able to safely look at KPJ and be like, well, what's going on there? Will it, will it ever develop? Right. That's a safe like criticism. In yeah. And about, about the, the vets part, just before I, we, I have to get done now to, to talk about Jalen Green, but to, uh, about that, the thing you said before, um, wait, we got a word notification. This is, let me just make it's sure. A it's a story about Bill of Tiring. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, so, <laughs> what, what I was saying, like, yeah, we, you can have Wall. Yeah, you can have, like, these vets. Like, he, he, you have Wall, you have Olenek, you have some of these old, you have Augustine. But at the end of the day, who did KPJ go to the to the to the strip club with? You went with a younger guy. Like oftentimes, you having the vets doesn't mean that the player you're targeting to to be more aggressive that that he will relate to them. You know, like I think it, it would. I'm not saying this as an argument to take sucks because I, as I said, I I've moved past that. But like. If someone presented me that argument, I'd say that Suggs would have a Suggs or whoever with that age would have a better shot at connecting with KPJ and bringing that out of them. 
I think Suggs would have more problems structurally getting his shot off in one of those types of situations. Obviously, in the tournament, he was able to get some crazy shots off. But he had that one that was like a deep runner. And then he had some other ones where I mean, he was able to get some good shots. But obviously, NBA length is a whole different monster. I think KPJ, is he's 6'6", six, six, if not taller. Uh, Jalen Green is about 6'6", six, six as well. And I think I do think Jalen Green, he has this type of type of like – not even killer mentality. Like you can just see he's like born to shoot. Like he loves to get his shot off. I think he would have no problem stepping with those type of moments. I think the synergy between KPJ and green could be good in the sense of, I think KPJ is a little bit more of a deferring type of guy. I think green is going to want to take those shots. Absolutely. And Suggs, I think he's going to, he's going to want to take those type of shots. I think his wiggle off the dribble is a little, less than what we see out of green. And I think his, his three point shooting is pretty good, but this, what he would do over NBA level contests. Like I think that kind of remains to be seen his finishing at the rim. Also on NBA length is a little lower than what you're going to get from green. Obviously green, just a crazy level athlete. And he, he showed finishing through contact very well in the G league this year. I think that was really the highlight for me was his finishing through contact more so than even, um, what he did shooting wise. So, yeah, I think Suggs has clear limitations as a prospect that they do not have. That Julian uh, Mobley just cause like, in terms of scoring. I mean, he's gonna need to rely a lot, a lot on that jumper that was okay this year, but not much better than that, uh, especially from three point line. He's gonna, like his playmaking is, is, it's very good in the open court. And, but in half court, like, it can get better. Like, I mean, I think Sag is, is really good and I'd happily, like, trade for him. I mean, to me, if you can somehow get the second thing and Jalen Green or and Jalen Suggs, then as long as you're not, like, trading KPJ or one of the next Two years or, or the 22 or the 2023 uh, first round picks. I feel like you gotta do it. Uh, <laughs> some of you guys have seen my uh, trade proposals on uh, Twitter. Like I'm willing to offer a lot to get uh, one of those two guys next to Mobley. But yeah, Sags definitely is interesting that uh, as a prospect that he was able to, you know, be the point guard of the best team in. In, bas- in college basketball, basically, until the finals. But uh, I just don't think he's really at the level of Green and Mobley, just because Green and Mobley are guys who, if if both if they were in last year draft class, I think both go one. And I don't think there's too much discussion about that. Whereas yeah. Suggs probably goes still four, because the Warriors still think they want a center, and Lamelo is better, and Edwards, yeah. And I had I had Lamelo over Green last year going in as well. Um, I thought Lamelo's passing was really transcendent, and I think if you have like that one really transcendent skill, I think that's going to let you get going in the NBA quicker. Obviously, like, you can shore up yeah, the games language, after right. the fact, but like for example, like Mobley, right? Mobley's shot blocking. And rim protection is going to come in and translate right away, right? You're not going to make him un seven feet tall. That's just going to come right in. And same with 
uh, Green, right? Green's going to come in. He's going to have that Levine-level athleticism. He's going to have the shot that we saw last year in pro sets and pro concepts. And then he's going to have the first step, which I did a bunch of uh, – I did some clips on my timeline earlier today about Green's first step kind of off the catch and off the dribble. And it, it looks really good. So those are things I think will translate for those guys right away. Don, I need you. I need you to talk me back into Jalen Green over over Mobley right now. <laughs> what would so you say? I've I've been watching Mobley film for the last two days. Uh, to be honest, um, one of I, us. One. Of- <laughs> not that I've converted, but I think I think I saw a lot of things on that film. Right. I think the 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 passing. He did a lot of mid post passing, and he did some creation from the top. He didn't do a lot of like drive and kick type of stuff. Like I've I saw someone the other day. And this is one person, right? But he said, you know, um, Mobley can fill that jokish role for us. And I think that is taking a lot of leash there. Like, what? I don't think that's the type of passer that he's going to play. He's going to he's going to be more of a of a stationary passer, maybe a little bit off the dribble, but. I think the passing is good. I I don't know how quickly his passing is going to like like we said, that's not going to be one of the easier translatable skills. He'll be able to make kind of the easy reads and the routine passes. The windows are going to be smaller in the NBA. Defenders have more length. I think I think we can't expect that to be at an all NBA level coming in, right? And then with his shooting as well, I watched all of his shots, every shot that he took um last season. And he mostly shoots mid range pull ups and mid range spot ups. Like his from three, his best type of shot was like a pick and pop and he had some regular spot ups that he took but off the dribble threes I really didn't think that was where his game is shooting wise and he also had a really good hook shot game he was very good around the rim I think he had excellent touch um sometimes he would take very off not off balance but like he would take odd angle floaters like he would be spinning he would be spinning right to left and then take that floater with the incorrect hand that he should be taking with. There's just some small things like that that I think can be cleaned up. But um, I think the the my thing with Mobley versus Green is that Mobley probably has a higher floor. And like I said, Mobley has a lot of skills that are going to translate. And defense, I'm not going to say defense is not important, but if for a big, defense is a lot more important than for a wing, right? Like you want your big to be able to handle everything mm-hmm. at the rim, to be able to have everything funneled to him. And I think that's why these two prospects are so so comparable for me because the things that Mobley is good at are the things that I really do value in the wing, like or in the in the center. Sorry, good shot and blocking, good rolling. Well, with the, in a wing, right? Yeah, in a wing, Jalen Green has he has some level of playmaking. He has some level of he has a, he has a very good level of pull up shooting. Um, he has a decent level of spot up shooting. I was posting about that yesterday too. Like he has a tendency when he catches, um, sometimes he'll hold like you can tell he's used to being the guy that has the ball in his hands all the time and really working out triple threat a lot. So he'll catch the ball and he'll instinctively kind of go into triple threat instead of either looking to just catch and go or catch and go straight up into the shot. I we think should that's call that move that for James Harden. Yeah, we should yeah, call that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. But, I saw that um, clip it immediately reminds me of. Yeah, 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 keep going. Yeah, so, so there's some kinks in his game that have to be worked out as well. But I, I think that people have said, you know, Mobley is like obviously a unicorn type of prospect. But I, for me personally, the way I view team building, one, if we were to get the number one overall pick next year, I think. Chet Holmgren is a very comparable prospect to 
Evan Mobley, I actually like Mobley's athleticism um, and a little bit better. I think Holmgren probably a little bit better of a shooter. But I think you can get – if you get that elite guard, right, let's say median outcome for Green is something along the lines of a Zach Levine, right, which Zach Levine, obviously that's an all-star guy. I don't like to project anyone to be a Hall of Fame guy. So, like, like I've seen people coming in, you know, Kobe, MJ, we're going to slow down on that. We'll say Zach Levine, right, nice median outcome. Um, upper end median outcome probably, but if that's what you're going to get, that's going to allow you to take a center that's going to not say like in a more Capella mold, but I think you, if you get seventy five to eighty percent of what you get from Mobley in a center, and you have a guard rotation that's something like KPJ, Jalen Green, and Christian Wood, because Christian Wood is a forward, right? Because now. We're going to get a center in there and he's going to be a forward. That's giving you a like a watered down version of what the Nets are trying to do. Obviously, they have Hall of Fame level guys, but that's just kind of what the formula is. I know Jackson talked about earlier. Um, it's hard to have two guys that are negative defenders. I think – or two guys that are negative defenders without having forwards that are really plus defenders. But I think those are the two formulas we've seen right now is the Hawks have Collins and Capella – they're really covering for the defense because Trey and Herter are not great defenders. And Herter probably gets a little less uh, recognition in that department than he should. But Trey, I mean, not a great defender for sure. And then the Nets, Harden and Kyrie, they're guys that are known for they can kind of turn it on when they need to. And I think that's the kind of setup that we could see out of KPJ and Green is they're guys, they have good length, they have good athleticism. Um, everything I saw from Jalen Green on ball defense, like – his processing is a little slow, but he absolutely has the lateral mobility to be a good defender. I think off the ball, he needs to work on that. Um, and some of that is, again, processing and just getting reps. And I think going to the G League probably gave him a little bit of a jump start from that that angle. But um, that's just kind of how I see those two from a team-building perspective. So, so yeah, what, just... you're saying, what you're saying is from, from Jackson's perspective where you can only have – like you shouldn't have two non-plus defenders. If yeah, here's the twist: if we take Green, and he's not a plus defender, he's a you'll turn it on when he needs to, and KPJ is the same. All of a sudden, you can't really have Christian Wood because he won't be a plus defender most likely. You know, he got better at it, but it's not like you're going to rely on Christian Wood to make up for other people's mistakes. You know, so maybe maybe everyone talks about. Taking Mobley maybe involves trading Wood. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe maybe taking Green involves trading Wood because you need to compensate for that. Or maybe you trade Wood regardless. Yeah, no, that, that's that's that's. <laughs> I mean, that seems to be the direction this is going. Yeah, I just I, want I mean, to say that. Uh, the, I may be higher yeah, on Wood's defensive upside than you all are because, like, when Wood was in there and before he had the the issues with his ankle. I mean, he was anchoring a top, I think it was top three, top two defense for a stretch there. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. he's not the second coming of, we'll say, even Miles Turner, right? But um, I think Christian Wood is enough of a plus defender that if you got a guy at small forward and a guy at either center or power forward, I think Olenek wouldn't necessarily fit into this type of model if you got green. You're going to have to bring in someone that is a more plus defender. But if you have those two guys, I think Christian Wood is enough of a plus defender that that would still work. Because, I mean, the Nets are rolling out Blake, right? And Blake 
not a crazy good defender. He's a, he's another guy that's like, I can turn it on when I need to. So, I'm just going to throw it out there. I think the Nets I mean, are yeah, in this comp for any of this because they have three agree, future first ballot that, Hall of Famers. That Famer. is fair. That is you fair. can't use yeah, them I mean, as the a Nets, comp. Like, it's so bad. I'm like, <laughs> the Nets have like the two best players in basketball and if Kyrie Irving was like the top five, a top five of playoff scorer, like, I don't think we should I mean, use them. That, that's what you're hoping – that's the type of offensive production you're going to want to try to get out of a KPJ green backcourt. Like, if, I don't think if you should expect it, though. Like, that, that those are be the model, top ten of all time players, and if like, if KPJ ceiling is is Kyrie Irving esque or Harden esque, then I'm taking Mobley. Like, just let me get that player. Like, that's the whole point yeah. for me. Is if you buy into KPJ ceiling being truly that high, you already have your dynamic, incredible guard who has displayed incredible court vision and ability to create, steer the offense, give him the keys to the offense, let him run the show, get him his defensive anchor, right? But I don't think we know, we don't have a large enough sample size. We don't know if he's going to be that guy. I think his floor at the very worst is like a Jordan Clarkson-esque sixth man. Where Wait, is this for KPJ or Green? For, no, for KPJ. Okay. I'm talking KPJ. And the reason we're talking KPJ, right, is because, again – we're try if if you reasonably are looking at the Rockets core moving forward, I think it's perfectly acceptable to try and figure out which guy makes more sense with this current core moving forward. Like, I, you know, when you're trying to draft the next guy who's going to be a building block of of reasonably the next team, the next iteration of this Rockets team that's making a push for the playoffs or for title contention, then you can look at the rest of the young guys that fit the timeline and say, okay, well, how do these guys fit together? And for KPJ. If you view his ceiling as that potential, like that high, James Harden, Kyrie Irving esque, or whatever, then I think you make the I think you make the Mobley decision and you pull him in. I think the Hawks are probably a better a better example of it, right? Like that, that's the comp I've been making three, consistently. So yeah, so I think I mean, what is your view on Christian Wood defensively versus John Collins? Like at this stage of the game right now, I'd rather have Collins to be honest. Like, I on think, defense, I, think, I agree, but I don't yeah, think it's I a large gap. I think you said, I think you said, what you said about players turning it up, I think Christian Wood on defense is, when he's good, it's also because he's turning it up and he's making it the focus of him. Like, on, on his net, when, when, when he's playing naturally, like, when he's not trying to pay attention to that specifically, he, like, it, it felt like that stretch when he, when he was good was him trying extra hard to be good, not something sustainable, at least in my eyes. And I think we need to sometime make another one of these about Christian Wood trades, or if we should trade Christian Wood, because I have so much, like, to talk about in relation to that, but it's kind of off topic right now, so... We, you have the two uh, most pro-Wood pro Rocket fans on Twitter on the, on the same... Uh, Locker room, the same green room, uh, the same green room, it was bound to happen. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Kate brought up a great point in the comments that, well, if you have Mobley, just like when you have Gobert, and you don't really have to worry about defense until you, I mean, like you should have good perimeter defenders, and we've seen against the Clippers how the Jazz, because they didn't have any good anyone who can stay in front of the Clippers, then it end up hitting them. But when you have a generational defensive prospect like Evan Mobley, 
you can just go and all right, we're gonna get this shooter. We're gonna draft Corey Kisper with our 23rd pick. We're gonna uh, maybe throw a large amount of money at Duncan Robinson because we know all right, the defense has to be good, but there is Evan Mobley there to clean up so many mistakes that it can just let you fo- focus on the other aspect of team building while keeping the defense respectable. I mean, I think I think that's a solid point, and like again, that's why I'm not totally against drafting Mobley in the first place. Um, I don't necessarily think you need someone with. If you have like, let's say we were to trade for Miles Turner, right? Miles Turner could give you that similar level of defense that a um, an Evan Mobley is giving you. I think I think it's easier to fill in that just pure defensive role and miss out on some of the offensive tools that Mobley's going to give you if you're going if Green is going to pan out if you think he's going to pan out at a level that's going to give you a Zach Levine or higher ceiling i think it's easier to fill in defensively than it is to fill in for a perimeter scorer and you don't have one but yeah, which is I, why, I, which I would is why you... it's the opposite personally because i mean Maybe you draft, like, if you take Mobley and you draft Trey Mann, like, how much worse is Trey Mann than Gerald, than Gerald Green, than Jalen Green? I mean, it's worse, but it's the same archetype. It's the same. Maybe it's not going to be a 30 points per game on 62 shooting percentage, but he's going to, but he can, like, replicate some of that. And KPJ can replicate some of that. And maybe uh, Bones can do some or some of that or Jared Butler. On, or Josh Christopher or Cam Thomas. Like, I think Eric Gordon, I mean, not like the, the mold of Eric Gordon or CJ McCollum, for instance. Like, I think green skill set, because it's just pure scoring, then you get like one of he, this type of guys every draft class where they're great at scoring. And I don't know about anything else, but they're great at scoring. And I think there are a lot of players like that in the NBA. And Mobley is... Because he's so good at so many different things on both ends of the floor, I think he's the guy that it's gonna be harder to replace. Yeah, I think I think I have to agree to the point. Like, it's it's like everyone says nowadays that oh, you can just get and I said this too, like two days ago. You can just get an M, uh, an MLE cent, an MLE center, and and he'll do eighty percent of what Mobley does. The thing is, if you get the same level. Of a scoring guard, you, uh, and you can find these all over the draft every single year. You 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 aren't going to get a Jalen Green, but you could get like a Jordan Clarkson who's going to do like eighty percent of what Green. I think there's a lot more Jordan Clarksons than there is. Uh, I don't know. Give me an example of someone that does eighty percent of what Mobley does because it's if he keeps that. Uh, switchability, it's really hard to find. Kelly Olenek. <laughs> I mean, ben ben Kelly Olenek Miles Turner. I mean, can Miles Turner switch on, switch on defense yes. that much? Yeah. Uh, okay. Maybe a little bit. I know about all of that. Can he, like, I don't remember. I, Look, I remember hey, what she talked The fact that we're having a harder time figuring out a, cor- a correct comp for Mobley should speak yeah. volumes for itself, right? Exactly. We all shout out the, different names. The comp for me is Bam. Take... 
that's the comp for me is Bam. I think he's very similar player to Bam. Um, no, I, I don't mean the comp. I mean the I mean the eighty percent of Mobley. Exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's my point. Is yeah, trying exactly. to find now, a player who who gives you eighty percent of what that's going to be. It's tough to find that because it's tough to find all of those elements in one package, right? So I think that yeah, that leads so to the argument that it's harder yeah. to find. If you're so versatile like Mobley is, then you're automatically going to be extremely good, <laughs> and that's kind of I don't I think we stumble upon this point, but just because Mobley is so good at so many different things, well, who's 80% of him? I don't know. I just know that Bema Debayo and Anthony Davis are like the two guys in the league we could compare him to and that they're both all-stars and that Bam, I think Bam could be like really, really good if he wasn't in his own head as much or if he was a seven-footer with a giant wingspan that would also help. But just because Mobley is so versatile, then, well, 80% of him is... Still an all Yeah, and and with like most most people will tell you that most of the Rockets picks are late picks, and I think late in the drafts, like you can find these these microwave score. Like they're not going to be as good as Green, but these eighty percent of Green microwave scorers, you can find them everywhere. Like off the top of my head, I, I I'd be fine having Springer, Trey Mann, Jared Butler, uh, Cooper. Uh, Josh Christopher, like most of these guys, will probably be there at twenty three or twenty four, and like, oh, man, they're, they're converting me, Don. You know, you gotta help me, man. Speaking of uh, Don, if you want to drop something, I've really accepted quick, this. I, I want, I, I want to get a couple more people up here who are yeah, sitting in the waiting sure. room. So, yeah, I'm out. Thanks All right, Pri- Don, you are you rock. Thanks for jumping up. No problem. All right, let's get who we got waiting in the All wings. Right. Uh, Irwin. Get up here, Erwin. Yes. What's up, Erwin? Yo, what's up, guys? Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Yeah. So, yo, what's up, guys? I'm a big Rockets fan, and I was just because I'm, I'm I'm so happy we got the second pick and everything. But I was just thinking, like, when you compare like Mobley and Green, I feel like when you pick top two, it really, especially like one, but especially like with this draft class, I feel like you basically have like you know two ones. So, with when you have like when you're looking at like a number one overall talent, I think like one thing that really matters a lot is like the ceiling and like how much of that ceiling you think is like achievable. Cause like you, you, you don't want to start dreaming if that makes sense. Like you don't want to start giving guys like things they will never truly, you know, like be able to do. But with like green, I get the idea that, you know, we know he's going to get buckets, you know, when he comes in and we know when he matures his game and he is, he gets older, he's going to be a really, really high level scorer at the NBA. I'm pretty confident. But like those other things that Tomar was mentioning, like his playmaking and like his defense, I feel like, especially when I was watching him in the G League, I feel like he has like a pretty decent work ethic. So I feel like he could become maybe not like a major plus, but maybe a minor plus. But with Moby, it's like I, I get that kind of feeling I got with Lamelo, where it's like he's big and he has a really, really great skills and he has a lot of really, really great skills. And usually – when you have really tall people who are really smart and really skilled, it just works in basketball. So I think if, if a number, it depends on what you're looking for. Cause I feel like at number two, if, if you just have to find spectacular and you just need that, maybe that could like swing you towards green. But I think with Mobley, it's like, if you don't want to be cute and you just want to make sure you get a great player, then you just go with him and you just rock with it. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> I don't have much to add to it. 
actually likewise here. I think that was, you know, really concise and, and to the point and hit on a lot of, you know, kind of what we've, what we've been hammering home throughout a lot of this. Um, but cause I, again, I said earlier on, I think that there's a, I think the, the the green contingent really wants their their guy, like a, a guy that they know that they can pull for as the number one option. And that's that's not going to be Mobley. Like if they do take Mobley, I, I also worry that if they go, if the Rockets go Mobley, right, and maybe KPJ doesn't take like a step, you know, a step forward next year and uh, doesn't, you know, continue to grow his game. Maybe he plateaus a little bit. I'm not trying to be unfair to KPJ. He's 20 years old. I, I, I think the world of him. I think he's, you know, I think his ceiling is incredibly high, but I worry that like if Mobley is like our de facto, like best player next season, the Rockets fans after like a year of like Mobley being the best player, but not living up to necessarily the hype, at least right away as like a Jalen green, I feel like Rockets fans are going to be get, are going to get very, very impatient with Evan Mobley. Very, very quickly. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. The only thing with that is you mentioned how like Mobley can't be a number one guy. When you say number one, are you talking like number one, like best player or are you just talking about like, top like offensive number one because i feel like you don't have like i feel like especially with like the uh i mean i guess you could say like lebron was still like the number one when they won the chip but like Kyrie was still like you know probably their best score but lebron you know was their overall best player so i don't know if you have to be necessarily the number one scoring option to be a best player on an extremely extremely good team so i think it just matters of like how good you think Mobley's impact on the other stuff he does could affect like your overall roster yeah, I think Ben told, Ben Taylor made a great point about this. Well, like people think there's a first option, second option, and really all they talk about is def- is offense. And you also have a first option, second option, third option on on, uh, on defense, and you can and there's that on offense. So for example, Mobley I, is someone who I think could be your first option defensively. He can be the best defender on a championship team, and he can be your second best offensive player on a championship team where, for example, Jalen Green is probably, I would say, two, the, the, the second best player on, on it, offensively on a championship team and, like, the third, fourth best defender. So I do think putting a player, putting that into perspective, I do think makes the choice a little bit more clear about who has the higher potential. Yeah, and I think something that people aren't bringing up, or at least on here, haven't brought up yet. Uh, first off, before, before since this point is going to be a little bit longer, I want to say something. We need to, we can't let KPJ's age turn into a Jason Tatum kind of thing. He's twenty-one already. Okay, let's not call it like I know. I know the the, the broadcast like Matt Bullard and and Bill uh, keep keep saying he's twenty years old. He's twenty-one, and he'll be twenty-two next year. Like we can't keep calling him eighteen year old like like Jason Tatum is. Like I don't know if you if you guys know the meme, but on Reddit at least Jason Tatum has been eighteen years old for four years or something. Uh, about about he's the, he's, the new, he's the new Juan Soto. <laughs> yeah, uh, from like something good that comes with Mobley Two is he's going to take time to be truly effective. Like um, he's going to. Is going to since it's going to be to take time until he's NBA ready. Like centers always take longer. It it lets us be worse next year, even against the will of the front office. You know, and I think that's really valuable because it's two. We have two years and we can't mess this up. 
and I, I I'm always fighting with myself to to believe what Stone is saying is is GM talk. And I'm starting to believe that there's some pressure to not rush things, but to to be at least half decent, you know. And I think Mobley forces us to be really bad next year, and I think that's a good thing, like a, a bad that comes from good, you know. And and I think that's that's also really to me at least it affects my my judgment too towards Mobley, because I think we should be bad next year, and. And taking a center does do that right away, you know. Like, I think they're going to be, but they're going to be, they're going to be bottom ten next year, regardless of if they take Green or Mobley. I'm like predicting healthy? that now. Yeah, like, like even like completely healthy, I think they're going to be bottom Easily. 10 next year. Yeah, hey, I, I hope you're right. <laughs> like, they're, like they're, they're right. not like I, I need, I need Rockets fans to temper their expectations with some like you know uh, these illusions of grandeur that they're going to be competing for a play-in spot starting next season. No, this team is absolutely. There's a lot of like individual level talent on this team absolutely and we saw it like on display you know with the revolving door of different players as the season progressed but we also haven't watched a bad team in houston in a long time and it's really easy for guys to like walk in there like Kyrie thomas armani brooks to light it up on a night because look there's nobody else to take those shots like somebody's gonna take those shots and it's nice that we can see like flashes from those guys, like some of the defensive bursts from Kyrie Thomas, the consistent shooting from Armani Brooks, those are like good signs. And hopefully those are like, you know, pieces that you can hold on to moving forward and, and potentially, you know, get them more development and they pan out and they, they stick around as potential rotation guys down the line. But I don't think that you look at this team and think, yeah, if they didn't have any injuries, they were going to be like, you know, in the playoff hunt. They might have, if things pan out a little bit differently with Oladipo and the, the John Wall situation, whatever, like maybe they're like, you know, potentially clawing for a playing spot. Maybe like, I don't know. I, I mean, we saw a very short sample size of six games where they looked really, really good. And then Christian Wood got hurt. So it's hard to say, but I don't think this team is going to be anything more than a bottom 10 team next season, regardless of who they pick. I agree that, like, we're definitely going to be bad. But I also think, like, it might matter on how bad you really want us to be. Because going back to what Prod said, I agree that, like, I mean, uh, and especially Jackson, like, no matter what, we're going to be bad. But I feel a backcourt of KPJ and a rookie Jalen Green is guaranteed to be, like, kind of terrible in terms of, like, box plus minus and in terms of just competing and, like, winning basketball games. Because I just – I like Jalen Green's talent. I think he's a really talented scorer, but I think a lot of his buckets might come at least, especially at the beginning of the year, at like the expense of the team, which we might be okay with. And with Mobley, I just know he's going to impact the floor offensive. I mean, uh, defensively, yet basically from day one, I feel so. Jalen Green, I could uh, I, I could imagine him being like a like a negative his part of his rookie year in terms of like just his impact, but. Like, the eye test tells you, like, especially, like, you know, with Edwards, his overall, like, plus minus this year was probably terrible. But with the eye test, you know he's, like, a talented scorer and everything. So I feel like Jalen Green might have a chance to have that effect. And when compounded with KPG, you have a better chance of being bad because they have to figure it out together as opposed to if you just give him another lob threat in Mobley and another talented I mean, defender. Yeah, Wood and Mobley have to figure it out, too. And, like, if, if our draft pick this year, since it's not K... It strength it also strengthens strengthens the argument to to trade Christian Wood because if we all agree that we're bottom ten next year no matter what even possibly even worse if if the rookie don't, doesn't settle in or something like 
if we let the deadline pass and see what still here his value drops dramatically just because he's a he's, he's a, an expiring deal no you're right yeah, i mean and here's one other point to consider and i hate having to consider this because again you're still you still need to take the best prospect available best talent whatever you think that is whether that's green whether that's mobley but there's an ugly truth staring you in the face. If they take Jalen Green, where does the man get his minutes? Like, I'm sorry, what is happening with all the the, the 1,700 guards that the Rockets it, have it on the roster? You just buy out everyone. That, that's what Twitter says. You just buy out everyone. Like, yeah, just, 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 out. Just, yeah, just give John Wall 90 million. Who cares? No, like, it's it's unfortunate circumstances that you have to try and figure out what is going to happen with John Wall. What is going to happen with Eric Gordon, right? What are those two guys going to look like? Because, unfortunately... Eric Gordon is recovering from a groin injury. And if the Rockets want to potentially move him, I still think that they might be able to move him this offseason without needing to showcase him again and, and hopefully maybe be able to move him without giving up any assets. But if they can't move him this offseason, guess what? You have to showcase him a little bit so that other teams at the deadline will be interested in trading for him and you won't have to give up assets to do so. Same thing for John Wall. And unfortunately, those minutes are coming at the guard spot. So even if they went Jalen Green, you're talking about having guys like John Wall, Eric Gordon, Kevin Porter Jr., and Jalen Green. That's four guards sharing all those minutes at the two guard spots. Maybe and you can Kyrie get a little Thomas PC with and Armani Brooks. Yeah. And, and Kyrie Augustine. Thomas and Armani Brooks. I left those guys out purposely. And you've still got DJ Augustine over there rotting away on the bench. That's seven guards. So I do think that if – and I made this assertion the other day. I think that if they go Jalen Green, it absolutely – I like – accelerates the timeline on what they on basically having to get rid of Eric Gordon and John Wall because you have to clear space for these young guys to get minutes. You have to. But if they go Evan Mobley, who again you argue he might still be the better talent overall, Evan Mobley is just a you plug him straight in. Christian Wood is the only big that's currently signed to the roster. You know, everybody else is a free agent. So you bring in Evan Mobley. He's got a clear spot at number five, Christian Wood at number four. And you, it's unfortunate because you've still got KPJ kind of sharing the reins with John Wall in the backcourt. And that's not an ideal starting backcourt, but at least then you're, you're allowing John Wall to continue to rehabilitate his image and potentially, you know, make another team out there, you know, another team desperate enough to trade for him at the deadline or the following offseason. Yeah, I do think that take... you look at... Okay, okay. okay, you go, you go, you go. All right. Uh, think, you just look at the was the best like was the best pick he was the best player available and whoever you decide is the best prospect you take him like even if you have to move you now four different guys for Jalen Green if you think you think Jalen Green is is the best prospect then you take him I you just just want to give Kyrie Thomas some love because now that, <laughs> now that uh, I brought him up just because I mean that man was so good uh, the the five games he was here. Like, the team was in such a bad spot and he made them fun again. Oh, like, now uh, Paolo Yote. <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to ask something else. If you take... Um, if you take Evan Mobley and you reach 23 or 24 and JT Thor is still there who has worked with the team and everyone seems to like him as a prospect, do you... When you reach... 24, do you do you just draft guards or wings, or do you still consider drafting a big since we only have two anyway? Uh, I think it depends on like the prospect. Uh, who's going to be the best prospect and 
well, where you pick, where are you going to pick? Like if it's at the absolute top, you probably still go with BPA. And if you, and if it's like closer to the top 10, then maybe you do factor in fit somewhat. And the thing about Mobley is that he fits. He just fits. He can, he's so scalable that he can play with anybody. And I meant, I meant the, at 23 and 24. I mean, if we draft, oh, imagine we draft Mowgli and you reach 23 and 24. Do you, yeah. s- like, at that point, you don't just go BPA. The, the difference isn't that, you know? So, would you... Are you referring to the draft of free agency? I'm, I'm thinking of the draft when you when you get to picks 23 and 24, which we own. If you draft Mowgli at 2 and you reach those picks, do you... Do you and JT Thor is there, and the Rockets have have shown interest in him. Do you think they still take him? I think you could easily you could easily go a one pick on JT Thor, and then maybe one more pick where you take BPA out of like the you know other wing slash guards that are in that range that are projecting right. Like if Trey Mann's there still on the board, you go Trey Mann and uh, JT Thor, or like I don't know Cam Thomas and JT Thor, or something like that, right? Because Man, you do. Sorry, go ahead. No, you should finish. You should finish. No, you should finish. No, I mean that's that was basically just the end point. Is you've got two back-to-back picks there, and I don't think it's the end of the world. Again, with the illustration of the fact that the Rockets do have a plethora of guards that that they've got to figure out. You know, there's only so many developmental minutes there, anyways. And even if we're just ignore, just ignore the vet- veterans, right? Ignore John Wall, ignore Eric Gordon, and ignore DJ Augustine for a minute. Let's pretend that best case scenario, they they jettison John Wall and Eric Gordon. They open up all the minutes in the world. Then you could arguably have you know KPJ, Kyrie Thomas, Armani Brooks, and Trey Mann occupying all the guard minutes moving forward. And then you have a front court of Mobley, Wood, and JT Thor coming off the bench. And then you got. Jay Sean Tate and KJ Martin occupying most of the the minutes like at the three four spots. Like that's yeah I yeah that's that that really does sound right. Like I think four and uh, man that's like ideal, extremely ideal for the twenty third twenty fourth picks. But <laughs> I was sure that you, I thought you were referring, referring to our picks in the eves of twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four. So I was confused uh, regarding those picks. Uh, nah, nah, it's right. <laughs> Uh, I do think that there there isn't really going to be, I think, a good big for those picks. Like you've got Nimi Squeta maybe that he's a second round pick or my something boy, like that. But my boy, <laughs> like, I, I, I... but yes, yes, you really, I I fully expected you to. But uh, I do think like that JT though for is like I think is is a big win. I don't think. He's a big man because I mean he, his best skills is like shooting, he dribbling, he has a bag, he has, uh, he can defend well. Uh, I don't think he's a big, and there aren't really bigs there. Regardless, I think the Rockets should take a guard and a wing, at these spots just because of who's gonna be available, like Trey Murphy and Jaden Springer, or Jared Butler or or Bones. Like there's gonna be great option at the wing at the guard spot and. They're not really gonna going to be beats there, so I don't think. I think that could be another another argument to take Mobley if you do think that you want next year's team to have a good allocation of minutes to everyone and that players won't be fighting for the same minutes for the same usage. Uh, I do think you see you regardless take the best prospect available too. Uh, 
but I just also, also think it happens to be Mobley. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there very quickly. The, just the idea that, and I don't even remember off the top of my head because I don't have the pick order in front of me, but if there's a team that has two second round draft picks, I would highly consider like forfeiting one of those late firsts, Same. like the 24th or 23rd, trading back into the second round. And I would take Quentin Grimes and yep. Jeremiah Robinson Earl and like round out like a couple second rounders that way. Or like, I mean, just, but we're just trading down in general, right? Like you can have the targets, whoever you want, but spread the love around even a little bit further. There's been conversation about what do you do with those picks? Do you trade up? I don't think that, I think that the prospects from like that, you know, six through 25 range or whatever are so comparable that I don't think it makes sense to package 23, 24 to trade up. But the idea of pack of taking one of those picks and trading down further into the second draft or second round is, I'd say I'd say like mm. I, I'm really underwhelmed this draft mm. from from like eight or nine through seventeen. I'm really underwhelmed there, and I'm really hyped about the guys that will go like twenty through forty. Yeah. like there's a lot of talent that goes twenty through forty in this draft that won't get first round pick because I, I don't know. There's just so many of them. I just don't think you would be able to like. I don't think you'd be able to drop. I think you would be. I feel like you'd be dropping too far down. Like I feel like. The, there would be like a bit of like a talent drop off because like there's so many guards and I think they're all going to go around the same range. I think like if you want to get one, especially if you like pick up Mobley, you have to make sure you get at least one of those. So like, especially like I like Bones, especially because I think like if you're looking for like that kind of like guy that could be like that kind of like microwave score and like say you don't pick up Green, I think Bones could possibly develop into that guy, especially over time. So I think you want to make sure that with 23 and 24, you're going to get like two pretty decent guys. And I don't know like how far you were expecting to drop, but I don't know if you could be get a Grimes, like a guy like Quinn Grimes, if you like drop to like 38 or something well, like here, that. Here, but, hang on. I, ha- I, I'll, let me throw this out because he's, he's, he's here in the chat right now. Rylan, if you're still there. Um, in fact, I want to pull Rylan up really quick. Uh, while we do yeah. that, like so uh, yeah. an easy partner to do that is like OKC who has a. That's, that's why I'm pulling. Ri- that's why I'm pulling Rylan up. Yeah, I'm they have 34 and right 36. Now. Yeah, that's perfect. If, Hi, if... Rylan. Would you trade up using two early second rounders to get the 23rd or 24th overall pick? I think that that's something that the Thunder are going to look at because they have too many picks. When they have six picks in this draft, and even as young as they are, and like how much available cap space and roster spots that they have, six of them though. Is unheard of, pretty much. So I think that they would look to trade up. Uh, so then there you I, go. And those are two. Those are two early thirty spots where, I mean, maybe they trade up for because they really want JT Thor at one of those spots. I don't know. They have sixteen and eighteen too. So and also the, the name is just too perfect. I think they draft him at sixteen. But uh, personally, I, I, I don't want to trade on because I think that the fair team of players ends at like the twenty fifth. Slash twenty six pick, so and below that I do I don't really love the second round draft in this class as much, so I would either be looking to trade up like I don't know maybe like there's a good chance someone was legitimately good is going to fall, uh, maybe Josh Giddy falls maybe Moses Moody falls maybe I don't know someone who's legitimately good and like should be uh, Jaden Johnson who should be drafted at the top 10 and he falls like five spots and he falls enough that you can trade up for him and you can get the state of the draft. I think that's something I'm really interested in just because also the Rockets, we, the, what we've seen is Raphael Stone has a great eye for talent 
the entire front offense, the way they found Jason Tate and, K- and Kenyon Martin Jr., that I believe in them to be able to find those guys, those greedy guys who can be good role players, Kyrie Thomas, Armani Brooks, but high-tier potential, like high-valued prospects or guys who you're not going to be able to get unless they move Torrent, Torrent Prince Locker to, to the wrong place or unless you have a high, lot, high lottery pick. And if the oh, so if the Rockets can actually use the, their picks to draft someone like that and bank on being able to sign an undrafted free agent uh, or maybe buy the pick, maybe Quentin Grimes falls and you can buy for cash consider- considerations, then I think I'll be more interested in that. Just get like the best talent possible by trading up and then there is enough depth maybe that you can count on the rest just to just find the other depth in other ways. I, I don't think we're, worth, worth pointing out really each. quick just on the on the cash allotment yeah. side. The Rockets used their full cash allotment for this year, but Bema Thug confirmed on Twitter that they can agree to a draft night trade and then make the trade after the draft night dipping That's into what next did. year's That's what cash we, allotment. We did that last year too. There we go. So just throwing the, that the out there. So that is a possibility yeah. of like potentially, you know, use, utilizing one or both of these picks for something and then buying, you know, a late second rounder. Yeah. I, I don't think, think um, what's his name? I don't think Grimes falls past 40. And I think if you, even for Tillman, if you, if you tell him, hey, we have 24, but we could have Grimes at 36 and one of these extra guys, because someone's got to fall. Like, I'm looking at Tankathon right now, and they got 30 prospects, and like, I doubt very much so many of them fall to all of these guys in the second round to jump up. And if, like, I think there's a good 40 players that I'd say in most drafts, in most drafts, would go first round. So trading into the second round would be like trading for two first round picks in a different draft, you know? Like, imagine you trade for 36 and, and 34. With the Thunder, like like we said, and you you use one on Grams because he's the the hometown hero. Like, there's a lot of guys that there's so many guys that they won't all fit in the first round. Like, so I'm gonna throw it out fall. there too. I, I think just the PR buzz of bringing home a hometown hero, right? You know, legendary, you know, Houston Cougar fan favorite. Similarly to Armani to Armani Brooks, it's just another. It's like a PR move that I think Tillman would 100 like be behind. Where if they pitch it and they're like, yeah, we want to, you know, we kind of want to trade back or, or, you know, we have a shot to get Quentin, but we want to move around a little bit to do it. He's, he would be like, oh, hell yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, isn't he like really into college basketball as well? Like, didn't he like sponsor the... Dude, his name is, stuff? his name is on the side of the arena. Yeah. It's called yeah, the he's really into Center. It, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, that's really likely. I think that also means that you wouldn't mind buying a second round pick, but I don't think you can buy a second round pick that high. Like we spent uh, on the fifty something pick. We spent a million on the fifty second pick, I think. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Because the, the other, the other, the I, other, so the I, other cash went to the the other four point six from the cash allotment went to Detroit as part of the Wood deal. Oh the yeah, it was the the 
for them to take a Riza with more guaranteed money, right? Yes, exactly. So, they, I, so that, I was think the that, off, was it, that was the offset there. So they only paid a million for the KJ yeah. Martin pick, which, you know, pick number 52. So, I mean, maybe you double that if you move up another, I don't know, 10 spots. I don't know what the... No, I think the, the Warriors did it when they were contending. And I think, like, it was like 3 million got them into, like, 37 or something. Oh, that was so when they picked maybe up it's Jordan. Dual. That was when they picked up Jordan Bell, right? Yeah, like... You can even if you had to, even if you have to send like a future second or or something like that, or you send DJ Augustine or something like someone who has little value but enough, so the pick isn't as expensive. I don't know. I think that you could guarantee like that Kenton Grams is coming home. I think Tillman forks up the money really is. I mean, I'm going to say something which maybe not a lot of you will like, but. I don't know how much of a fit Quentin Grimes would be for the Rockets because he's kind of like a money. Sorry, I had to get him out of here. I wasn't. I wasn't hearing that. Nah, get back up here. <laughs> get back. Get back up here, Edomar. I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm fucking with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. Because yeah, so <laughs> there's a money box, and I think Quentin is someone. Who, for example, if the Pelicans draft him. To play with Zion, that's gonna be a, a great pick. If contender drafts him, that's gonna be a great pick. If the Thunder finally decide to get some shooting, the Rockets specifically, I don't know how much Quentin specifically makes sense, but I do think that a couple of uh, second round prospects will do. And yeah, Quentin, I think is someone like there's a chance he slips, and if you can get him like for cash, I think you do it because he's he's an NBA player for sure with his shooting. Like I'm really Did confident make, about that. I'm go- I, and I know you said a lot of people aren't going to like this. I'm pushing back on this tremendously. He makes a ton of sense if they don't go Jalen yep. Green, right? They have a gig- like imagine they have a gigantic hole at who is playing their two guard consistently. Grimes has you know solid defensive principles, great shooting. You slot him in, you know, not as like the starting two, but like having him in that rotation and potentially as somebody who might grow into you know a a solid a caliber player, like yeah. starting NBA role player. That's exactly who you want that that archetype in that mold next to, again, we, we've highlighted the Atlanta Hawks, right, a, a few times tonight as that potential mold if they go with Mobley. You have KPJ, you have Wood, you have Mobley. Then what do you need at that 2-3 spot? You need you need plus defenders and you need solid shooters. And Quentin Grimes is exactly that. So, yeah. you know, that's, again, Maybe he would need to small, you know, project but... to that. I, think I mean, a... what, is, what is he, 6'5"? I think he's 6'4", or 6'5", right? That's, like, Probably. serviceable. Yeah, but you don't even care. You don't even care. You take him because he's from Houston like that. That's the whole point. (laughs) You take him because he has potential to be playable and because he's from Houston. And because he's from Houston. It's a little bit of a... Yeah, it's basically like a pet, you know? Like, you can teach him a few tricks, but you basically like him because, yeah. Like, you... I don't think you... I don't think... If the Rockets do do that, like, I don't think fit really matters because you're really doing it because, hey, he has a shot at being an NBA player and at the same time, he was really important one of the longest runs in in Cougars history, right? So, yeah. I think I think you, you, you don't even care about what position he plays, how tall he is. He, he can shoot, he can defend. That's all you ask for out of a guy you're mainly drafting because he's from hometown. Oh yeah, if you're uh, buying the package, right? I thought we were talking about like if you traded like the uh, one of the first four, like to trade down. Again, I think e- I think either is a potential option, 
but that, there are only so many roster spots available, unfortunately. So it's just, you get to a point where you're like, all right, can they reasonably trade down and have four picks that they're signing to, to contracts or maybe hell, maybe they trade down and trade away for like a future second rounder or something with some protections on, it. I don't know. There's a lot of flexibility there if they're not necessarily super duper sold on bringing in two guys at those at that 23 24 spot in this draft are there any uh intriguing like drafting stash guys i haven't gotten that deep into the, all the prospects those wins those wins is i i can't pronounce his last name but <laughs> i think is yeah i think is really good potential as a 6 10 point forward who's like he's, a sm- he's smart he got defensive potential he can shoot and he's also a part of Dwarf Twitter, which is so cool to see. So I think Vrenz is, is one guy. But I haven't, I have to be honest, I haven't dug too deep into like second round or late second round of the draft. So I don't know how much I can answer that. But especially because, I mean, the Rockets don't have picks there. And so, I mean, I'm just going to let Stone rob the Kings again, do his magic again, and get the next KJ Martin with the 50. Yeah, another guy that most likely will fall out, out of the first round that was so hyped coming in is BJ Boston. In most mocks, he's not even first round. Yeah, imagine a guy with, that was that hyped out of high school falling into the second round. Like, it's actually crazy how, how much talent there is. Dang, he's really going to fall out the entire first round? Because I, I thought, like, Cal has, like, kind of a reputation for kind of doing this, if that makes sense with, like, his prospects. So I thought, like, the league would have, like, caught on. I don't know if it, you guys, like, he's really projected to slip out, though. I've seen it, like, at least th- three times in three marks that he's not there. Make it there. Someone's got to fall. Like, because some of these NBA, like, what you what you call NBA-ready guys that you project to go to contenders, maybe they're the ones that fall. And in that case, if those, if, if the if the Duarte's and the... Uh, Greg, not the Greg, but uh, I don't know the the shooters that are in every draft. If those are the ones who fall, I wouldn't make the trade. But if it if someone like are these young guards or, or shooting guards that there are a lot of them here, if one of those guys falls, I know for you to trade down and do the Grimes thing. All right. Well, I think Edamar mentioned earlier that he needs to kind of wrap things up here shortly as we are three minutes away from nine o'clock we went two hours strong we were tentatively planning on just going for about an hour i think originally um so i just want to edamar if you got anything else you want to say or 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 prod uh before we shut things down or or when i guess while you're still up there up here with us <laughs> uh, yes i just want to say that this debate it's, it's been really fun like the past two hours to talk basketball with y'all and We'll take an Evan Mobley because our scouting team is NBA Twitter and NBA Twitter is taking Evan Mobley. So <laughs> this is really fun to debate and all of that. But at the end of the day, like I'd be shocked. I'd be completely shocked if Evan Mobley is on the Houston Rockets next year. Are, are we doing the, the, goodbyes, the goodbyes thing? So I, I have a thing I have to say before we go out that I promise. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we're, we're, we're kind of wrapping it up right now. So yeah. All right, all right. You, anyone that's listening to this, you guys gotta. I won't promote my socials because I don't really care about followers. But you gotta go on on Reddit on r slash Rockets, 
and you gotta start discussing some stuff with us there. Like, there's a lot of really like smart people there that that are going to answer to literally every thread, and are going to spark some really interesting discussion. So, if you liked what we did here right now, you should probably check out the the Rockets Reddit r slash Rockets and and a lot of the things I said here I I learned there. So yeah, should probably go there. Absolutely endorsing r slash Rockets. That place is great. Erwin, what you got before we wrap this up? Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you guys will probably catch me on the Reddit page too. And uh, honestly, like either way, no matter who we pick, I'm just so happy we have the second pick because it could have been so, so, so much worse. Yeah, yeah, I'm really happy that uh, I don't have to sit here and try and handhold the entire fan base through uh, losing the <laughs> losing the top four pick. That would have been I, total ass. If um, you ask, if you ask me before before the draft, I would have traded our our lottery odds for the fourth pick in the heartbeat. So. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I mean, same. Um, I would have taken. So, anything all right, well, I'm gonna and I'm gonna take a chance to soft like plug my own stuff just because you know. Uh, check out Locked On Rockets; it's a good podcast. Uh, this I don't know how we're gonna do this. Uh, I think Edomar has some plans to utilize this audio somewhere. I might reuse this audio somewhere. Uh, but Locked On Rockets is on YouTube now, and this is not a video. So we'll see how I figure out how to utilize this, uh, whether I chop it up into little 30-minute segments or what. Uh, but this was a really awesome discussion. Uh, so go check out Locked On Rockets, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. Check out the brand-new YouTube page. We already we broke like, uh, like 565 subs or something, uh, which is super awesome. So go subscribe if you haven't yet. Would really appreciate it. The goal is a thousand by July fifteenth, which I think we're gonna knock out of the park. I might have to like double that goal. But this was super awesome. Appreciate everybody stopping by, interacting, asking questions, participating in the chat. Um, follow all the voices that you heard up on the stage if they're still in the room, and you can track down their Twitter accounts, all that good stuff. But that is going to do it, I guess, for us. So yeah, appreciate it. <laughs>